Today I'm talking with Ana Suarez, one of the nest doulas. Just before I tell you about Ana, I want to invite you to April's Positive Birth Helsinki Meetup on Saturday, April 9th, 2022, between 10 and 12 a.m. The topic of this meetup will be My Birth Room. Join us by registering with the link in the show notes of this episode. To get back to today's guest, Anna is a psychologist, psychotherapist, and researcher specializing in maternal mental health. Join us as we talk about the importance of prioritizing parents' well-being and mental health for the benefit of the entire family unit. You'll hear Anna's tips on how to take care of yourself, even in those moments when you cannot get away from your kids, as well as how you can prepare for your postpartum already during pregnancy. Let's get started. Welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast, brought to you by the Nest Doulas. I'm Danielle Bensky, a mother and postpartum doula specializing in maternal well-being and psychology. Each episode, you'll hear eye-opening interviews with some amazing people who support families in Finland just like yours. We'll help you navigate what it means to birth in Finland, growing your confidence on your parenting journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into our daily dose of birthing in Finland. Hi, Anna, my dear Nest Doula colleague and friend. Welcome to Birthing in Finland podcast. Hi, Danielle. I'm so excited to, to be here and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, you are the Nest's mental health specialist. <laughs> and so this is what our conversation, no pressure. no pressure. This is what our conversation will focus around today. But before we go deeper in that direction, I would love for you to share with the listeners more about yourself and how you got to doing this work and a little bit about your journey. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for the warm introduction. And uh, I can say that I'm one of these lucky persons that, uh, you know, chooses the area they're interested in young, and then it turns out to be exactly what I want to do for life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I studied psychology in Russia. And then I moved to Finland first to study as an Erasmus student. But then I met my now husband here and uh, moved to Finland. But, you know, Finland uh, is a very special place, both culture-wise and language-wise. Uh, so, unfortunately, I wasn't able to work as a psychologist right away here. So I went actually to the academic path uh, and started doing my PhD in the University of Helsinki. And I was quite enjoying it, although still it was not, you know, fully what I wanted to do. Uh, but luckily, at some point, the topic of my research changed to studying mental health during pregnancy and how it affects the child development. Uh, and then I got pregnant myself. Mm. <laughs> so it was really um, close to my heart, the topic. And then we actually needed to share the results with the participants who provided their uh, data for our study. And then, you know, being pregnant, I felt very compassionate 
for for those mothers because we had to tell that you know experiencing depression and anxiety during pregnancy might have some uh, negative effects on child development and although we yes. don't tell you know to specific person because we have it in very generalized uh, way uh, the study results but I just could imagine how women would think that, you know, what if how I felt during pregnancy mm. affected my child? And I realized that I really want to rather work in person and support mothers, uh, both during pregnancy and afterwards. And then uh, after I had my first uh, baby, I also unexpectedly got into quite a dark place because usually I'm very, you know, positive person. But then my husband was the one who started noticing the changes that I was crying a lot and uh, was feeling down uh, most of the time and then uh, found help for me. He did, okay. Yes, Uh, And uh, starting from there, I was like, okay, it's not only the the mental health, which of course was the the highlight of it, but I realized that for me, the the crucial thing that was missing was, you know, some basic support, like someone Mm -hmm. being with the baby from time to time, someone helping to make meals. Or, you know, uh, this sort of thing. And then I was looking, who could be this person who helps Mm. uh, women during this time? And then I learned about this uh, profession as postpartum doula. (laughs) And got very excited. It's not very well known. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's still growing and it's filling a niche and like a gap that has been growing. The gap has been opening. So there's now a need for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because it's not... uh, exactly the nanny right and it's a not a cleaner and not a cook but something combined plus something combined plus yeah exactly plus mother energy deep uh, knowledge of the transformation that motherhood brings uh and then i i studied to be a postpartum doula and then went back to to finish my phd now I did last year. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. Yes. And uh, now I'm doing both uh, psychotherapy and uh, a bit of doing, not so much at the time. But yeah, that's that's what brought me here. And then when, uh, when our wonderful group formed, I was so happy to become yes. part of the community, part of yes. the nest. Yes, that has been such a beautiful space for us professionally as well as for our uh, our clients that are that are taking part in our activity. Yeah. And today we're going to focus on the importance of taking care of one's own well-being while parenting. And this is something you are really passionate about and when we were preparing for today's conversation you mentioned that this is the topic that you would like to start with and I'm curious to hear more on why you feel this is something parents often need reminding about and, you know, why is it that we need to be reminded to take care of ourselves? <laughs> Seems yeah. quite obvious in a day-to-day <laughs> life before you have kids, but 
Yeah, but it stops being so after having kids because usually the priority shifts to the baby uh, when she or he is born. Uh, and we can see it actually from the services outside. Like, for example, when uh, uh, you're going to Neuvola during pregnancy, you have so many visits and everyone is asking you how you're feeling. And as soon as you have the baby, all the Neuvola visits are about the baby, except for one at like six to eight weeks postpartum. And even then, uh, it really depends on the person whether they would ask you, uh, how how you're doing and uh, what could be for you to to support you during this time and uh, not necessarily the baby. But I also think that uh, it's mainly because mental health is quite invisible. You know, when you have something with physical health, other people can see it. Or at mm -hmm. least there are some uh, kind of, let's put it, um, objective tests to show that something is wrong. Like, for example, if you have diabetes, you can give the blood test and see that something is wrong. Yeah. Whereas with mental health, it's quite easy to dismiss it and to say, like, just, you know, pick yourself up, be strong, everything is going to be okay, and this sort of thing. And, you know, there was a, an Australian TV show where a woman came to a psychiatrist and he said that uh, she is depressed. And together with uh, antidepressants, he prescribed her a cast for her leg and told her, like, you should be wearing it for several weeks now. And she's like, why? He's like, well, because then other people will see that, you know, you're in pain and something is wrong and you need rest. That's because, amazing. Because otherwise, yeah, people don't really see it this, this way. Although like mental health, we need to keep reminding this, that mental health is part of general health. We all mm. have it. It is. And, and the, the way of separating it in the first place is, is setting us up for this confusion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, with, uh, with parents... It's, uh, I would say, especially so because uh, together with all the, you know, day-to-day -day struggles that uh, all people have, there is this uncertainty and huge responsibility for this vulnerable new human being uh, on them. And like we have never, we were never meant to be doing this by ourselves, like just two people or sometimes it's even, you know, one person if it's a single parent. Uh, family like there are supposed to be many people to share it absolutely the village yeah exactly but that's not what's what's happening now no. and that's why I feel that it's really important to talk about it and remind uh, about its importance yes and this is something you see often in your work like parents who have not been prioritizing this and yeah. maybe if you could tell us what are some of the costs of you know how the effects of, of not prioritizing yourself when you are caring for another person yeah sure like sadly basically all of my clients encounter this uh, problem at some point whether it is right after having a baby or uh, actually more often it happens several months or sometimes even years afterwards because in the beginning uh, there is this kind of 
extra energy and excitement of you know caring for for the new baby and getting to know uh, yourself and you know your your family being in a bubble uh, but at some point this energy wears off uh, and if you don't have the the support system uh, and you don't have some resource to to renew this energy uh, unfortunately you you can get to quite a dark place for example how how I did yes. how it happened with me uh, and then it of course affects uh, quality of life that uh, you don't have enough energy a lot of parents complain about it on a physical level right about the sleepless nights and that they don't have um, enough energy to to go out or you know to socialize with other people uh, and also you know it's mental exhaustion because there are so many uh, things you have to think about uh, to keep in mind uh, all you need to for example buy or to do all the appointments uh, and there is also something that is called mental load that nowadays on on top of you know, the child to be fed and uh, washed and, you know, The sleep. things you need to think about for life to run smoothly. <laughs> exactly. And also about all the things, you know, in a long-term pers- perspective that, uh, you know, if you don't hold your child enough, you may affect her, like, attachment style. Or if opposite, if you hold your child all the time, you will spoil her and, uh, like... Uh, mm-hmm. he will not be independent uh, and this sort of things there is a lot of pressure nowadays on, on the parents and actually it has quite an opposite effect and might affect the bonding with uh, with kids uh, because if you are all the time pressured to be with the child and do something for uh, her development you might want to escape from it Yes. And, you know, have all the time this feeling that this is really not something I signed up for uh, and just want my old life back and then feel guilty about it. Mm, wow. Which is also like okay to, you know, miss your old life. There is uh, really like time that you need to sort of grieve yeah. uh, this this time of your life. Uh, and to adjust yeah exactly and and nowadays we are not given this time and this opportunity Uh, and you know in the long term if uh, parents don't take care of their mental health it might also affect child development as for example i was seeing in the in in the research because of course if you're exhausted it's very hard to um to meet all the emotional needs of the new baby. Absolutely. Uh, so, like, if it's you this cup metaphor, if you yeah. don't have enough to to fill for yourself, you cannot spill over the edges and give to others. And there's so much giving involved in parenting that exactly. you really need to be able to have something in their cup in order to give. And I can just speak about my own personal experience as well. My daughter just started daycare a few months ago, and I feel a huge change in how I am with her when I come to her in the evening time, in the afternoon, when I pick her up from the daycare. I am so much more patient, and I have so much more excitement about being with her compared to the days that I was with her all day. 
Yeah. Um, because that, I've had yeah. time for myself, I've had time to engage in activities that are interesting for me. And then I, yeah, I just come to her feeling so much more ready to be with her. And it's this quality over quantity. Yes, um, yes, exactly. That's what I wanted to tell about that there was this uh, study that compared stay at home moms and working moms uh, and, you know, their. Um, their relationship with the children and that's what they showed that the working moms who had uh, you know full full-time work uh, and were picking up kids from from daycare but spent at least one hour afterwards of quality time with the kids had deeper relationship with them than those who spent the whole day yeah and, uh, but at the same time, there is, you know, in, of course, in different cultures, it's quite different. Uh, but in, in many, there is pressure on, on uh, especially women, less on uh, fathers, to spend as much time as possible with kids and telling how, how important it is for their development. And they are not saying uh, that, you know, nowadays we spend so much more time with our kids anyway, even if we have full-time jobs compared to, let's say, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, because people, like, when they want to shame parents, they tell, like, ah, mm -hmm. nowadays you're all the time on the phone and don't spend mm -hmm. as much time with kids. But it's actually quite the opposite. We spend so much time with kids and just use some time, you know, and phone is uh, quite often the only escape <laughs> that you can have yeah yeah and, and also if, yeah if you go yeah. back further you look at tribes and, and villages where children were in touch with about seven adults per day yeah if not so more. <laughs> yeah so that means that one they are less just with the parent or the primary caregiver and second the primary caregiver has so much more free time or time away from the child let's yeah. put it that way to breathe a little bit and to have that me time you could yeah, say exactly which is also quite often dismissed because i think there should be at least three adults if you think about it like one taking care of the child one like making some living either working and making money or you know working with their hands growing food and stuff and another one resting at the time so that mm -hmm. later they can all exchange the activities mm -hmm. because if if you are doing even something you really truly love in life whether it is being with the family or doing some sort of work if you have to do it all the time, 24-7, and with kids, it is 24-7. It's intense. Yeah, you get, you do get tired. You need change of activity, which yeah. a lot of parents don't get. And, and that brings me to another thing I wanted to say when you were talking about the quality and you were talking about parents who are stay-at-home or going to work. I wanted to mention that I think there's also more than just those two options. Like I don't, I, I want to speak for a second about the fact that it's not a dichotomy in that way. And that there are people who are living in, in different styles. For example, I know of this thing called like mommy goes with me to daycare kind of situation mm -hmm. where the children meet at one shared communal space together with their mother, kind of like maybe Asuka's Puisto here in Finland, similar, something like that. Um, 
where you come with your child to a place where they can meet other children. So you do get time away from your child and you do get to spend time with other parents and them with other children, but you are still very nearby. Yeah. So we are living in quite a dichotomic, like, how do you say this? Dichotomous <laughs> uh, <we were laughs> thinking. And I just wanted us to acknowledge that it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. And there are other ways of doing things as well. Yeah. And I know countries that are making this uh, like mom unities. Yes. And, you know, working spaces for moms. So, for example, it could be some sort of, uh, let's say, open office or, you know, something like that, where uh, parents who stays at home with the child, or in this case, not really at home, but you know what I mean, don't go to full-time work. Yes. Uh, and they can come to this space with the child and their computer. And there is some person who looks after kids. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, yeah, the parent can be there uh, and be working whenever there is need. They can breast, chest feed or, mm -hmm. you know, give uh, some uh, attention to their child yeah. and then go back to, to work. And I know, for example, in Switzerland, in some companies, they have uh, daycares kind of downstairs of the office so that the parent can anytime go downstairs, for example, during lunch break, have some time with their kids and then go back to the office. I think it would have made life so much easier for working parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that I also wanted to mention, if uh, like if we come back to the original question <laughs> of how how not taking care of uh, mental health might affect uh, parents and the families, uh, I think it also takes a lot of strain on the on the marriage and uh, you know affects the relationship in the marriage or in partnership. Uh, because, um, you know, sadly, uh, almost 50% of all divorces happen in the first five years of child's life. So after having kids, uh, the quality of life drops uh, and a lot of couples don't, uh, cannot cope with it. Yeah. So, and especially, you know, uh, mental health wise, there is uh, a lot of um, complaints and hurt yeah. uh, and misunderstanding accumulating. Uh, and I think if each uh, of the parents and their kind of team together took care of the mental health, the situation might have improved dramatically. I think this will also resonate a lot with the listeners who are foreigners and who perhaps either don't have both, let's say, a set of grandparents, so mm. their own parents, yeah. either they don't have both of them or one of them because one partner is foreign to, to Finland, Yeah. Um, then couples feel it even more because, sure. because the support system is less existing i mean you come from this kind of relationship i come from this kind of relationship <laughs> so we can yeah. also speak about our you know from firsthand firsthand experience but uh it does really take a toll and again it circles back to this thing of never meant to have been just two adults caring for kids 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, nowadays, even in if we don't talk about uh, newborn children, but, you know, just families uh, and relationship in general, there is a lot of expectation that uh, this one person, the partner would be uh, everything for us, would be a friend, a lover, a partner in crime, <laughs> partner in raising kids uh, that we would share, you know, costs and uh, struggles and everything but again it has never been meant to be this mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. uh so of course yeah, yeah. having each other having girlfriends is really important yeah. having other parents to share the journey of parenting and the challenges and the challenges will be unique for each yes. parent with yes, a different having role. These older relatives who could share their experience also is uh, very mm -hmm. important Mm. From their own experience, aunts, yeah, aunts, yeah. grandmas, sisters, yeah. So this yeah. is when I when I see a family who is struggling, I I say that the first thing we need to look at is their support and getting for them more time to be by themselves and getting more time to, to be together alone from the kids. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. and that is kind of the first thing that I think should be um, looked at and made you know created in the relationship to help bring the couple together yeah yeah because uh i think our culture is turning very child centered uh because nowadays we don't have too many children so of course they are very precious to us mm -hmm. and to the society because of course the society needs new people to support mm -hmm. older people Mm -hmm. So, uh, kind of, that's why everything is done, you know, just to ensure the child's safety, child development. But for me, this is kind of illogical because children mm. become adults. So why do we stop caring for adults? Because this is exactly why we take care of children for them to get to be adults. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. <laughs> this is a very good question. And to add to that, I think that when we are taking care of the parents, we are taking care of the children. For in a, sure. Yeah. In a very direct way. And there is and numerous research about it, both like about mental health and even about such a trivial thing as uh, money and costs. There has been study in, in the UK that if we took care of uh, maternal mental health, it would save something like 8 billion pounds uh, so even more in wow. euros <laughs> per year. Uh, wow. And not only from the fact that, you know, parents would feel better and um, use less of healthcare, but actually uh, the majority of this money would be saved from child uh, problem, uh, health this problems. This is an impressive statistic and uh, finding. Exactly. Yeah, so Good children have would... have these kind of studies. Yeah, they would be sick less, they would have less developmental problems. Uh, so, I mean, it's a win-win-win for everyone, isn't it? Really it really is. It really is. And it's it's also one of the things that, as a postpartum doula, I speak a lot about, and the importance of caring for, let's say, the mother in this case, the primary you know, caregiver, because the moment we take care of the mother, we are yeah. taking care of the family and building a stronger family, a thriving family, and a thriving culture. And it's so important. We have a lot of work still to do, but it's, yeah. it's really a big thing to look at 
in terms of legislation, policy making, how we support, how we value mothers' work in society. Yeah. Um, it's it's a big topic. But I want to pause for a moment before we continue and just really bring compassion to our listeners and into this conversation because it's hard to be parents. It's hard to be parents when you're a foreigner in a new country. Maybe you have forgotten to prioritize yourself. Maybe you haven't had the means to do that. Life has been overwhelming along the way in your in your parenting journey. So if you're feeling a bit guilty or, or feeling shame as you're listening to this conversation, then Anna and I are inviting you to take a deep breath and to allow yourself to feel what you need to feel right now and to know that we are sending you so much compassion and grace on your parenting journey. Uh, yes, definitely. You're not alone. And we know firsthand as well uh, how much hard work you're doing already. And uh, as Danielle suggested, uh, take take a moment for self-compassion and maybe uh, put put your hand on, on your heart, on your belly or wherever you feel the need for warmth and support just to to show yourself some some kindness. Mm-hmm. We were never meant to raise kids alone and it's normal to need some some me time, some you time, <laughs> some mm-hmm. time away. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so as a new parent and in the first year or two of parenting, life is pretty hectic as you're finding your mm-hmm. feet and understanding your child and yourself as a as a parent uh, in this new identity. It can be hard to find time away from the child. So like to really remove yourself from the house and from the child. So what are some small kind of day-to-day things that parents can bring and invite into their life to help them prioritize their well-being and their mental health. Do you have any tips for our, for our listeners? Yeah, sure. And uh, thank you for mentioning that because sometimes it really feels like, okay, I can only take care of myself if I'm away. Mm. Uh, but as you, as you say, mo- most of the time we cannot be uh, with newborn, for sure not. Uh, and later on, like kids get sick, and um, you know, <laughs> you really yeah, finding childcare. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Especially like if uh, you're a foreign and don't have a big support uh, system and don't have means for nannies, which are quite costly here mm-hmm. in Finland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suggest uh, a practice that I call Islands of Joy. So throughout the day, you may uh, find some, sometimes it's enough to have one minute, sometimes five minutes, good if you can have more time, but uh, it's uh, not, uh, not a must. So maybe you can find time of the day. It's best if it's something curricular. Uh, where you can really pause and uh, thank yourself for doing all the hard work and really do something that you like. It it can be a morning coffee, it can be a shower, it can be uh, some you know eating something you like, but mm. in a mindful way, uh, so that you really can kind of. 
uh, get some energy from it and some, you know, feeling of uh, self-care because, yeah. yeah, it's it's really it's really hard to do that. <laughs> but as soon as you pick kind of one one time throughout the day and you keep this regularly, it's be- it becomes kind of a habit mm. and something to really look forward to. So that you know, okay, now it's really hard, but in the evening I will have this cup of tea and read at least one page of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can coordinate with your partner, uh, it would be perfect. For example, in the weekend, uh, you can let on one of the weekend days, let one of you kind of sleep in and another takes care of the baby in the morning and the following day you switch so that you can sleep a bit longer yeah. and this sort of thing. I I have a few things coming to mind. First is about being really proactive and that how it can be really hard to actually be proactive around this and say, hey, raise your hand and say, hey, I need this time. Yeah. I recognize that in myself and in friends and conversations I've had with, with other parents and mothers, that this idea that, oh, I can leave my baby and go out to dinner with a friend. Like that's an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. even a friend who has a five and a two year old like remind needs to remind herself of this sometimes. They're not newborns. They don't breastfeed. You know. And yeah. we are so sucked into that work of our of our you know if you are working and if you are taking care of your child, these tasks of every day that we really need to consciously remind ourselves and say. Exactly. As you said, ask for your help from your husband. But it, even that first step can be really challenging. Mm. I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah. That, yeah. that this takes a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, and especially in the culture of like, you can do it all. Yeah. Uh, so that to, to acknowledge that actually I cannot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's okay. I mean, it's normal <laughs> to not be able to do one million things at the same time. Yeah. Especially on the, quite often lack of sleep mm. and yeah yeah and then the second thing i came to mind when you were talking about these beautiful islands of joy and this practice is i think you used that word also intention mm. and i find that intention is so powerful um you can even do the most mundane and day-to-day things in the moment you give them a higher meaning and you do them with intention and with this kind of thought behind it it already creates a different space in your life and it has a different meaning in your life so i can just give an example i went to this chocolate festival and they were doing their own mindful <laughs> mindfulness practice with the chocolate and the mindfulness instructor told us to put a piece of chocolate in our mouth and just not chew it let it melt on our tongue yeah <laughs> you know it was I have never eaten chocolate that slow in my life. And it was so beautiful. And I really enjoyed that. And that was a very nice moment to connect with myself, to be aware of my senses, to enjoy a really nice piece of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was so intentional than just gulping that piece down and not even noticing what it tasted like, even perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And so, and- yeah, that's really beautiful how you, how you frame that. 
Yeah, and and if we go deeper, like the mm, therapeutic approach that I have in my practice, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy, and there is actually part of the part of therapy is um, finding your values. Mm. and uh, kind of let them guide your actions so whenever you are doing something just to to see how it uh, goes together with with the values for example of health of love of caring so if you're doing something mindfully you know being present in the moment and you're committed to the action through your values for example you are not just walking around mm. with the stroller but you're doing it because it's good for your health for your child's health and meanwhile yes. you can also make it uh, a nice experience for you mm. for example listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> then it Absolutely. becomes not such a mundane thing but actually act of self-care and we are also meaning-making creatures. Like, we want to make meaning in things. Yes. So I think that's really beautiful. Like, another part of that, too, when we can add meaning to our life, our life feels fuller and more fulfilling and more abundant. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And what about also those families who are perhaps listening and still pregnant, still expecting either first or maybe second? A child, is there anything that these people can do already in pregnancy that will help them to build their mental health resilience or preparing for birth and the parenting experience? Uh, it's like a complicated question because it's like yes and no. Of course, there is plenty to do. Uh, you can, like, most important is uh, plan ahead. So, uh, especially if it's the you know, not the first child, you already might be aware of the challenges. But uh, even if it's the first uh, child, you can kind of anticipate um, what what may be hard and just create this sort of cushion uh, that you can find um, services that can help you, for example, that you don't have to take care of food and cleaning uh, and this sort of thing. And uh, also, I usually suggest to make a list of 25 things that bring you joy. Because when you are in this super tired state, you really forget about it. You don't yes. even have energy to think of what can bring you joy <laughs> because mm. it seems like nothing. Uh, so it's good to have this list ready and to know where uh, it is located and you can even kind of divide it into things that you can do uh, with the baby what you can do without what if you have five minutes or if you have one hour uh, this sort of thing and then look in this list uh, and either do it for yourself or maybe your partner can do it for you or your relatives and friends can look into it and do it for you uh, so this is something really you can uh, mm -hmm. do before the baby arrives. Uh, but why it's uh, maybe not always uh, easy to prepare, because you never know what kind of baby you will have, what kind of struggles you will have. And I also suggest to uh, stay open uh, and kind of uh, go with the flow 
but just to have, if you already have this, you know, resources prepared ahead, this is something that can help you cope, cope with it. Mm-hmm. You, you said something now that has really resonated with me about you don't know which baby you're going to have. <laughs> yeah. And that is really true. And that is one of the reasons that I would always love to encourage parents to think of it like creating a backpack you know you are creating a backpack of support during your pregnancy and you will not know what you need until you get to that bridge and until you need to cross the bridge and get to the other side but it's good to prepare your your support and you mentioned services yes I always emphasize this point invest in services and less in products um, yeah, especially for the newborn phase, and especially since everything is so available all the time. Like, if you need something, you can buy it on- online at any time of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, really, find out what you need as you go. Um, the most important thing to know about is who are the people in your area that can support you in the challenges that you have. So, this is why I created this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for and, bringing and, forward the resources yeah and think really think about it as an investment because really if you are uh, hiring a cleaner it's not you know that you cannot clean yourself of course of course you can uh, but you know it's an investment into your mental health and uh, into your family to kind of free you free your time, your super valuable time <laughs> from mm-hmm. uh, cleaning that someone else can do for something that really only you can. It's only you who can sleep. It's only you if you're, uh, for example, breastfeeding. It's only you who can do that. Yeah. Uh, it's only you who can spend time with your child and see how uh, he or she starts to, you know, smile and crawl and, you know, see this world. So really, really outsourcing. Use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I would also add one more thing about preparing during the pregnancy that I think uh, a mother blessing is a beautiful time and a great opportunity to gather resources and talk to your support network and ask for, for example, a gift that isn't for the baby. So a mother blessing would maybe happen at the same time as a baby shower would. Many people might know about a baby shower, less about mother blessing. So it would happen at the same time, roughly, in the pregnancy, just kind of close to where the the due period is. Um, and instead of showering the mother with gifts for the baby, we can shower the mother with blessings <laughs> yeah. and with support. And it's a great time to gather the people around you who you would like to involve in your postpartum support. Um, it's a nice time to start a meal train and to talk about that. It's a yeah. nice time to to speak about this framework of seven sisters for seven days, which is a really nice framework. It's also a book which talks about how you have seven people in your life and each person takes one day of the week for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's their day of the week to support you, to bring you food, to be available to you for a phone call. And I love that idea. And it's very, you know, also a cost-saving uh, thing where you rely on the people in your community. And yeah. in this mother blessing moment, in the pregnancy time, you are setting yourself up to have that postpartum support. 
in, yeah. uh, it can be a very nice time and moment for that. Yeah, I think it's kind of perfect for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you have services that you want, it's also a nice time to ask for monetary support. So instead of the gifts, as I said, you ask for money to be able to pay for these services, which you may value more. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Anything else to add from your side? Uh, I think we pretty much covered <laughs> the topic. That's, I mean, yeah. we can we can talk forever about <laughs> these things. So. <laughs> it's our shared passion. Yes. Um, well, this has been really great, and I feel like we've we've given a lot of food for thought for people, and uh, you know, we'd love to hear people's feedback as well. Yeah. Thank you so really much for hope. sharing. I <laughs> yeah. really hope that we put some seeds of doubt, at least if you had uh, those, or you know, some really food for thought, how you can actually support your mental health mm. and how important it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for bringing all this into the world and then sharing all this and for the work that you are doing. And I'd love to hear what services you're offering right now and how you are helping families um, that come to you and what, what do they come to you with? So, yeah, thank you for, for the question. Uh, so most, uh, most of the work that I'm doing right now is related to, uh, psychology services and psychotherapy. Uh, so I work with individuals and couples who struggle at any point uh, on the parenting journey. It might be preconception, during pregnancy, postpartum, or, you know, uh, with a family with children, uh, and, you can uh, come for some short-term support or long-term one. Uh, I also do childbirth preparation with focus on mental health uh, because this is such a vulnerable time and can bring a lot of uh, fears and anxieties to surface. Uh, so uh, we can uh, go through that to you know, uh, make this experience as uh, pleasant as it, you know, should be and valuable for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one other service that I really love doing is a sealing ceremony, which is a, a ritual to kind of close the story of pregnancy and birth. Uh, and it's involves both the psychotherapeutic part and the uh, body care part how lovely yes <laughs> yes so nur so nurturing it's it's a really nice thing can people do that also after six weeks can they do it later as well yeah yeah it can it can happen at any time uh actually i sometimes closed uh, the pregnancies and births that happened like five years ago so mm -hmm. there is no expiration date. No. And, and that I just know goes that... to showing how deeply our birth experience is staying yeah. with us. Some really ask like if they can give it as a gift for their mothers. So <laughs> yes, you can. Wow. <laughs> because like uh, especially before there was no or at least much less acknowledgement uh, of the birth experience. At least, for example, in Russia where I'm coming mm. from. Mm. Yeah. And uh, to wrap us off, where can people find you if they want to contact you and like get your services or ask questions? 
so at the moment you can find it from the uh, Nest uh, website. Uh, and then I have a page on Instagram. It's in Russian at the moment, but uh, I think maybe I will have the, the English one as well. Uh, but yeah, best ways is to contact via uh, Instagram or Facebook is also the same page. It's called Dear Mama Postpartum. Great. And on the Nest website, people can go directly to Anna's page and yes. um, fill in the contact form, which will be sent then directly to your email, to Anna's email. So it's, a, it's a really a, an easy way of reaching out each Nest doula separately. Yes. Amazing. Anna, let's wrap up. Thank you so much for uh, talking with me today about this really important topic that sometimes is not spoken about enough. And um, this will not be the last time <laughs> that we do it. <laughs> yes, it's just will... tip of the iceberg. <laughs> it's just the beginning. Yes. <laughs> I hope that our listeners will join us next time as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that was it. I hope you enjoyed listening to Anna and I talk about the importance of prioritizing your mental health and well-being as a parent. Being a parent is hard, especially as a foreigner, and this is why we've started The Nest, and it's also why I've started this podcast. If you need help, please reach out. Send us a message, and we'll try to help you in the best way that we can. If you'd like to receive therapy from Anna, you can also contact her at Dear Mama Postpartum, because you're not alone. And I really look forward to having you in the next episode with us. And thank you for spending your time here. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Birthing in Finland podcast. To get the show notes for this episode, go to doulacollective.fi forward slash birthing in Finland. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share this with someone who you think needs to hear it. A friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Help us get the word out so that more families can start enjoying these conversations. See you next time when I introduce you to another amazing person supporting families just like yours.